Deck the Hall with Boughs of Holly. We're talking the King Singers, a little Christmas music. Hit it. It was 1989. Robin Williams made us say, Oh, Captain, my Captain. Hala Abdul was forever your girl. And the King Singers released a Christmas album in their signature balanced style. I'm your host, Jerry D, with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Now, joining me is a Totally Rad Christmas all-star and ratty winner. From Tis the Podcast, it's Totally Rad web designer Tom Crow. Tom, how's it going? Hey, hey, hey. It's great to be here, Jerry. It has been way too long. Way too long. Yes. Yeah. And I know you're busy, so I I try not to reach out to you too much because I just know that you're like ridiculously busy, not only with your own shows, but also with your work schedule. But man, I miss talking with you. So I was like, I got to get Tom back on. <laughs> I miss talking to you. Don't ever feel like I, I can always make time for my friend, Jerry D. Oh, shucks. I appreciate that. <laughs> but how's it going, man? How you been? Um, the weather has turned cooler. Mm-hmm. I was able to pop open the cider this week. Oh, that's we good. had to pull out Ellie's coat because we got into the 20s. So I <laughs> am feeling great. We've got to, we're warming up a little bit. So I yeah. feel my se- seasonal affective disorder kicking in a little bit <laughs> already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the shortest one yet. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. same here. So it got down to 35. So we we got out the coats for the, the kids as well. And that's a Texas freeze. That's a, it exactly. And then uh this morning it was 85. So oh. <laughs> it's it's one of those t- typical Texas weather, you know. It's uh it's shorts for most of the day, but in the morning maybe a, a jacket and then you're good. I'm good. You know, funnily enough, we've actually seen a lot of people from Oklahoma uh at the store this these last couple of weeks. Really? Yeah, a lot of people have been coming down, and uh, I've measured a bunch of houses there because we have an app that we use where we can measure out your house and tell you how many feet you need for your lights. And so, I mean, it had to be at least like eight or nine people in a row. It was the the strangest thing. I don't know. Maybe wow. it's because the OU game, maybe Texas and OU or something. When but, uh, when Texas won, they uh, they had to go. All the all the Oklahoma fans had to go somewhere and drown their <laughs> depression. <laughs> I, I guess so. I don't know. But I mean, what better way to cheer yourself up than Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, in fact, my uh, my manager is from Oklahoma. And uh, yeah, he's like close to Oklahoma City, I think. Okay. And or maybe it might be Tulsa and his brother visited and he's now in Oklahoma City. That's what it is. It's okay. like a little town, I think just east of Tulsa. I don't know what it's called for the life of me. But it's this tiny little town. His parents are still there. His other brothers are still there. And so like just he and his one brother and these guys are giants. They're like, all of them are like six, seven and above. So it, uh, wow. I felt really short talking to them. <laughs> I guess that feeling a lot, honestly. 
see and i'm kind of tall like like i'm from i'm from the south texas where like i'm considered kind of tall i'm 510 so that's still pretty short but it's like tall down in the valley so being with these guys it's just like okay like we got to disperse this crowd here i can't i can't stand around you guys <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's ridiculous they're they're just giants there we're getting ready to have our lights installed on our house and had to have it, our large tree in, in our front yard removed today. Oh, yeah. And Christine saw it and she's like, okay, we're going to buy a tree. Christine is my wife. She mm-hmm. said, okay, we're going to go. We have to go buy a tree to replace that today. It needs to get in because it looks, our yard's just bare. Mm-hmm. So we went to the, to the store and we ended up buying two trees. One is a nice, beautiful, spindly Christmas tree that's going to get, uh, it's about, I think it was about 10 or 11 feet now, and it's supposed to get up to 30 feet. So wow. I'm going to have a year-round Christmas tree. Is one that of is so cool. Right so on, excited. man. <laughs> I wish um, I wish we could do that here, but the last tree that we had in our yard, actually, its roots busted our pipes, and we had to get all that repaired. So we decided we're not doing that anymore. We're just going to have, like, rock beds <laughs> and maybe, like, you know, a bird bath or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe oh, a statue awful. of St. Francis. Yeah, it was bad. They they had to dig it up and they like subcontracted that out and it was like a whole ordeal, but it's taken care of. We're all good now. Our pipes are fine. <laughs> so, oh, what a mess, man. But speaking of pipes, we're here talking uh, the King Singers and their lovely vocals. Ooh, what a seg. <laughs> you went segue of the, of the like... At least the last five months of podcast I listened to. That was the best. I don't know about all that. What do you what do you remember about the King Singer or, or just choral music in general? I absolutely love and always have loved choral Christmas music. Um I am much more familiar with another King's College choral group. Yeah, the uh, choir of King's College. It's amazing. There that's mm-hmm. where uh King's College is where uh Lessons and Carol started. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, it's it's uh, part of the Anglican Evensong tradition. Uh, I th- think I count seven or eight Christmas hymns and choir performances by Kings by uh, the Choir of Kings College in my playlists. And I'm actually more familiar with them as well. The King Singers I didn't really learn about until oh about ten years ago when I was looking through. Um, Someone had sent me a copy of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir with the King's Singers. Oh. Yeah, it's like they joined together to to do this big concert. They actually filmed it, so you can see it. Uh, it's on YouTube as well. But, like, it's it's a really great album. Like, just as far as arrangements and the choral technique and everything, it's it's pretty fantastic. I think it's called Rejoice and Be Merry. It's like a green cover. But that's how I really learned about the King's Singers. I, I've never been... Or I should say, I never really was super into choral music, being like a band nerd, you know. So <laughs> it was surprising until, to me. Well, it wasn't until later, like uh, after college, that I started getting more into choral music. And so I remember you were one time asking. This was years ago now, asking for suggestions of choral music, and I think I sent you a few over. <laughs> you did. Yeah. And so the uh, I think one of them was like the King's College Choir. I think it was just like the best of, real quick, like something like that but yeah i same i just like you i'm more familiar with the choir of king's college in cambridge than i was the king's singers and 
as I read or as, as I read, what am I talking about? As I listened to that album um, of Rejoice and Be Merry, I was like, these guys are really good. So I started looking into them and sure enough, they have a ton of albums and they're like a deep history from like 68. So they've been around for quite a while. They have uh, just started as a group of what, six choral singers who came together and started their own acapella thing long before glee and high school <laughs> musical made made acapella music cool right right totally uh, and it surprised me because i always thought after i started kind of listening to them i thought it was always just all men it surprised me to learn that they actually had some women in the group for a while oh really whenever their uh, first countertenor couldn't make it they they would have like a a woman to kind of substitute here and there and so um I mean, if you're going to copy a, a woman soprano, might as well have a woman, right? But uh, <laughs> since we don't, since we don't do the um, castrata anymore, that's probably the best option. <laughs> or do we? <laughs> <laughs> Not sure with the way some of these guys sing. Uh, no, these counter tenors are are amazing. But uh, yeah, it's like just six. It's always like a stable uh, group of six. There was like a core group that's usually there. Of course, now it's been what fifty something years, so of course they've kind of passed the torch several times. But yeah, it's like um, the bass and two baritones, and then a tenor and two counter tenors. So usually you don't see two baritones and like one tenor. That's usually like two tenors and maybe a baritone and a bass. But because they have the two counter tenors, they kind of can reduce one tenor or reduce down to one tenor and have two baritones. And it just adds like beefed up parts. And so you get like a really balanced sound no matter what you have on top. It's it's really interesting. I just I like I never would have written because, you know, I do write some music. I never would have written for parts like that. And so it's just like, wow, that's that's a cool, just nifty arrangement. That is really cool. It's got a unique sound. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the fact that it is all men, especially countertenors, like there's something about a countertenor sound that is just a little bit different. Like the timbre is just different enough from a soprano and like an alto that, I don't know, it's almost more ethereal because it's a little more airy, I think. Yeah. And so uh, to me, it just, it blends really, really well. It's like when you have a, a boys' choir with like a, a men's choir, and something about the male voice and the tone, the harmonics and overtones they can get uh, because of the the way that their flaps are, their their vocal cords are are built. It's just it sounds different, and I don't know why, but you can just tell every time. Like, okay, that's all. That's like an all. That's a boys' choir, or that's all men. But you can tell, and I really dig the sound. I don't know why. It just it. I love it now. <laughs> so That's I'm awesome. all in. Yeah, I'm all in. Let's let's do this. <laughs> I I couldn't connect with this as much. I I, I guess you. I especially I started listening like like you said they've been a continuous group for over 50 years now. So I went and listened to some of their modern stuff. Right. And I noticed that they've evolved with the the change in acapella music in general. Um mm-hmm. This was very. This sounded very like micro choral. This is a small choir right. singing together. Right. Whereas their newest stuff is, uh, it's got the, it's got it more of a glee feel. 
I know it's yeah. terrible to keep comparing everything to Glee, but I think <laughs> well, that's what most people. Well, know that's what most best, people right? know. Yeah, no, yeah, I get it. I know what you mean, though. So I think they started going more towards uh, almost like a pops, yeah, you know, kind yeah. of feel like you know uh, the Boston pops or New York pops or all you know any of that, where like they'll take some of the more popular things and then just coralize them. Is that's the word? <laughs> I think it is now. I'm gonna I'm gonna patent that word, trademark it. Uh, yeah, so you know they they arrange it for choir, and so it gets more of um, the interest I think for modern audiences because I feel like choral music in general really has died away since the advent of like Tin Pan Alley and blues and you know jazz and that kind of that kind of genres. So yeah, you know. I listened to their more recent uh, from the early 20 teens they have one joy to the world that mm. i really enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, and then they did this cool album which was uh they called uh uh Paternoster. oh uh, nice. it was a choral choral reflection on the lord's prayer in 2012 and it's really really cool i think you'll like it jerry oh I, that one i haven't heard so i'm gonna have to check it out no this one i stumbled upon when i was looking for uh 80s versions of songs from the time life christmas treasury that was an idea i had like years ago i was like i'm gonna get to this three years later i'm finally getting to it and so i i did that episode with my brother and uh and anthony but like i finally got to this to that concept and i revisited that album and i thought you know what this is just like they're solid choral arrangements some of them are really out there like when we get into the coventry carol that one is interesting there's a lot of dissonance in there uh, built in, which makes sense. I mean, it's about, you know, the the, the murder, essentially, of the holy innocence. So, yep. so it makes sense. Which, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not really Christmassy to me, but it is during the Christmas season. So it is kind of Christmassy. But like traditionally, even during that time, the Alleluia wasn't said. The mass vestments were, were back to violet, you know, as a sign of mourning. Uh, there's no Gloria. So it's like there's, even though it was during Christmas tide, there was like this sense of mourning because you were talking about the, the holy innocence and their giving of their lives for Christ, you know, yep. uh, essentially. And so it's just, they really reflect that in that version here. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it later. It's, but It does. It feels very, it's a stressful song, right? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. There's, they don't really resolve much. And when they finally do resolve, they have a different chord in the bass and it just adds a level of dissonance that, man, it's, it's rough. But we do open this album strong with Here We Come, Mawasalu. Bless the master of this house, likewise the mistress too. All the little children upon the table go, come and join, come to you. It's an interesting take on that too, but it's not the traditional, it's not what you usually hear when you hear that song. Right, right. So that song already is kind of an odd song because it's in triple meter, da 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 da, da and then it like it turns to duple meter, bum, 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 you know. So like the real, just just 
mark in time kind of a feel. And they mix the two, which is strange. Ba, 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 ba. I, I don't know. It has, it's like this odd pattern, but it, uh, <laughs> it's this odd, like just juxtaposition of the duple and triple meter that keeps it interesting. But at the same time, it's, it's weird enough that you're a little unsettled by it until yeah. they like resolve it at the end. That's the way I would word it. You're un, it's unsettling. Yeah. Not, yeah. not bad, just off. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of that in this album. Like like some of these arrangements, I think they were like contemporary 80s choral. Whereas in like the late 90s, early 2000s, we really moved away from that style. We did. We did. But some places like, I mean, I'm just kind of curious, what other other choral groups do you look to for, for good choral Christmas music? Um... So I do like, um, what is it? Is it, I never know how to say it. Cause I always want to say it in the Latin pronunciation. And I don't know if that's what it is, but like Voces 8 or Vo, Voces 8. I don't, I don't know how you said <laughs> Every time, every time I see a word that even looks remotely Latin, like my, the Western <laughs> church in me starts to kick in. And uh, so I always want to say it in like a Latinate pronunciation, but uh, I, I like them. They have some really good things. Typically, like we, we mentioned earlier, the uh, Choir of King's College is another one. Yep. The, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, they actually have really good uh, renditions of some of these and just really whatever I can find. But mostly when it comes to um, Christmas music that I like a cappella, I prefer Gregorian chant. And so I'll listen to a lot more of that than I will actual choral hymns. Okay, so, so you listen to a lot of the, and you probably listen to them in Latin, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm. What can I say? I'm Roman. <laughs> but what about you? Um, I really like St. Paul's Cathedral Choir. Oh yeah, that, that's another one. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, I think that's run by. Um, oh gosh, what is his name? That's going to kill me now. And it's it's off the top of my head. He did the Parish Book of... No, not the Parish Book of Chant. He did uh, By Flowing Waters. I think, I I think that's that. who it is. It's uh, So they took the Graduales Simplex and they tra- he translated it into English. And he yeah. said it to the Latin melodies. And I cannot remember his name to save my life. But uh, let's see. By Flowing... I got a... Paul Ford. That's his name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's by by Paul Ford. And uh, I actually messaged him a couple of times. He sent me some pieces of music when I didn't have some. He would go to the uh, the seminary library and like scan some of the texts and send them to me. So no way. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it was really that's how I got some of these obscure pieces that I just can't find music to. But that's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So like. Like usually I listen to that or sometimes um, there's a couple of recordings here and there of the American Gradual. And that one is an it's actually an Anglican um, piece. And and so it's uh, it's really cool, even though it's like the just the graduals of the year, but in English yeah. set, set to the chants. So that's another one. And so I'm usually listening to something like that. And I don't really get into okay. a lot of choral music, um, although, of course, the Robert Shaw Chorale is another one. They have Obviously, one. they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the Westminster Choir as well. Okay, yeah, they do really good stuff. And then um, I have one album 
um, on Spotify. That is two of them that I really like. One is called Adolf Fredericks Children's Choir. I don't think I know that one. I'll have and to then look it up. There's a Portsmouth Cathedral Choir that's really good. Mm. But I, I've always loved choral music, so I was really excited that you invited me to come talk this. Sorry, I got distracted and took no, you no, away that's from cool. <laughs> took you away from from introing the um, by both of our traditions the heretical Christmas carol. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so next on the album is It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. This has never been one of my favorites. I remember my grandma singing it a couple of times because she liked the melody of it. And, you know, English wasn't her first language, so I I don't know if she really understood everything she was singing uh, because she was a good, very traditional uh, Catholic there. So I'm not sure she knew what she was singing, but... I don't ever, I just, I never liked the song, something about it. Uh, the, the melody gets to me. I've never paid attention to the words. And now I'm curious to to look them up because I have no idea what they actually say. Well, there's, what you're going to find is this was a, this was a originally written as a five stanza poem by the universal or Unitarian minister, Edmund Sears. Okay. And he wrote, he wrote so that the, the Unitarians would have something to sing and worship that didn't harken back to the divinity of Christ or the incarnation as something mm. that Unitarians don't believe. <laughs> that's, a, so if, that's a big no-no for us. <laughs> so uh, it, it's made its way into most Christian churches in the West. It is not allowed to be sung in an Orthodox church because of that. Mm. But if you look at the most Catholic hymnals, if you look at the 1982 Anglican hymnal, United Methodist hymnal, the Lutheran Book of Worship, um, they all have this song. I'm wondering, were any of the lyrics changed, or is it just as is? It's just as is. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't... See, I've never... I remember a couple of times hearing it, like, growing up, but I would never sing during those times, and I never paid attention to it, because I hated the song. It's like, there's a couple of Christmas carols that, for some reason, the mel- the, the traditional melodies get on my nerves, and like uh, I think the other one's "O Little Town of Bethlehem." I actually prefer the uh, the British melody of it. And it's it, funnily enough, this British group did not sing the British melody melody of it later on. Really? <laughs> yeah, they sang the 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 other melody. But like this, those songs, they just something about it, and it always bothered me. So I always just zoned out whenever they'd sing that those particular songs and carols at at different events. So it didn't surprise me. <laughs> maybe maybe subconsciously my my guardian angel was like hey like like don't pay attention to that <laughs> i don't know yeah i'd be interested to hear your thoughts after you actually, after you read the lyrics um i will say that some prayer books or some hymnals omit the third vo- verse but with the woes of sin and strife yeah interesting yeah but it's intentionally meant not to mention um they they definitely definitely go out of their way not to talk about the incarnation like at all. Nope. Over and over again, it's just about peace and like the angels singing. Yes. Like, hmm. But like, why are they singing? That's <laughs> that seems to be like the point of their song, right? <laughs> from from our teaching, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. the whole. That's I don't know why they would be singing otherwise, right? Exactly. Wow, that's interesting. So I always skip this one. I, I even now 
for the uh, research for the show, I think I heard like about 30 seconds of it and then skipped it. <laughs> I always skip the next song. The Little Drummer Boy. So this on is a... everything. Really? You don't like that one? Not even a little bit. Gotcha. I kind of like it. There's <laughs> there's one version by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. It's <laughs> with palm muted guitars and it's like really odd and off. It's just a weird song, but I kind of like it. I really do. This one is called O du Frohlich. And I don't know why they give it the German title when they sing the whole thing in English. That beats me. But yeah, okay. I'm fine skipping it, honestly. It's it's <sighs> it's just a standard, pretty standard version of it. It's really close to the Harry Simeone version, just a kind of rearranged for six parts. So it's it's the most pop, it's the most listened to song on their album. Is it album. really? It is by like a lot. Wow. See, I wouldn't have got I wouldn't have got that i would have guessed something else later on i'll surprise you with the other one when we get to it because it's going to surprise you as well okay uh so i'm just going to kind of run through the track list here real quick i wonder as i wander just a traditional carol not really again one that i was super familiar with i know a version by peter paul and mary that was done a couple of years earlier it's really good yeah that's like the version i know but i do want to talk about the next one we wish you a merry christmas so this again is like that same style where they go over and over, oh. you know. Oh, I was just going to mention something about uh, if if you're cool with it yeah. about um, I wonder as I wonder. Yeah, yeah, go for it's it, go for a, it. A really interesting. You can find a really interesting version. Um, he's from con- the the author, the compose the the guy. Yeah, the composer mm-hmm. is John Jacob Niles. Okay, and he's. He's got an Appalachian background, and there's a really cool version. Uh, is it of this song, or is it one of his other ones? Where you can listen to him playing a dulcimer to it. That's cool, because yeah, that's an instrument you don't hear a lot of. You don't hear a lot of it, which makes it really interesting to me. But it's uh, it's very, it's got this very folky feel to it, because uh, Niles was an American folklorist. So anyway, mm. it was, yeah. It's very interesting, the Appalachian, just when you listen to it again and you think Appalachia and you think like America, a, a song as an American folklore song, mm-hmm. I, it, it gives it a different context. Um, and I didn't, this was not one that ever stuck out to me until I learned about Niles. And I'm like, okay, this is like, a, this is a truly American, not just an American, this is truly an, uh, an Appalachian song about the birth of Christ. And that gave mm-hmm. me a whole different respect for it. Anyway. That's cool. Well, but yeah. this arrangement of it is really weird. They like elongate a lot of the phrases and there's like space, you know, I wonder as I wonder, da, 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 and they like hold that out. And then all of a sudden they'll come back in. And so it's just, it's a really strange, uh, and I get what they were going. They wanted to do something different, uh, let the instruments kind of play a little bit, but it just, it, I don't, it doesn't work to me, honestly. Which is again a shame because I I wanted this album to be like fantastic, and I'd say it's it's good, it's really good, but it's not fantastic overall. No, it's not. Yeah, um, I do like "We Wish You a Merry Christmas," which is next, <laughs> and it's in that that same style that we're talking about, where they they kind of do lots of repetitions and uh, you know. Uh, and a happy new year, a happy new year. Doo, 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 doo. I mean, just over and over again. And it's just fun. But like it does it. feel happy. It does. Yeah. So, so hopefully people get that. We 
wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your king. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now bring us a and by the way, this is done by Richard Hickox and the um, City of London Sinfonia. They're like their backing band orchestra here, I should say. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Some of these arrangements are, are like actually available to purchase. So later on, you can find like choral, these choral arrangements as like octavos that you can get and and then really? like your choir. Yeah. I thought about like getting some so I could like sit down and analyze the music, but it's like, ah, eh, it's not, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not good enough to analyze. To that no, no, opinion. I'm, I'm all right. You know, I did. I, I, I listened to it. We'll talk about it in general and I'm good. That's about it. I'm good. The next one is again, one that is not my favorite, even though it's a Pretorius uh, song, it's uh low, how a rose air blooming. That is the the rose has come up, right? Yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah, I think the poetic uh, one is a low how the rose air bloom. air bloometh. Yeah. Blooming. Yeah. Something like that. Bloometh blooming. Yeah, one of those. I had a good friend, our um proto psaltery at my church here in town. Um mm-hmm. this was his favorite Christmas song. Really? It was. He loved it and um, I started listening to it more and reading the lyrics and looking at the poetic side of it. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like it. Cool. That's and cool. I like this version of it. This version of it's very, it's, it's a standard. I mean, it's it very, is. like, it's very corral oriented. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, it's Pretorius. So makes sense that it would be like that. But at the same time, it's just something about the structure of it. It just, it never stood out to me as like a favorite. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So we can move on to the next one, which is like kind of bonkers. I'm going to say <laughs> it's ding dong barely on high, which is always a little bit bonkers. Cause it's got the idiomatic, right? Ding dong, ding dong. But this one is 100% 80s. There is no other time mm-hmm. where you would heard it sung like this. And I hate it. <laughs> it's it's not the music it's it's not the singing so bad because the singing is right right they're good singers yeah it's that music in the background that they picked with it it is odd there's a lot of like yeah um pa pa kind of things and then the the where they have like almost in two parts where you have the the much higher much much deeper mm-hmm. it just sounds so hokey like yeah an intro to an 80s made for tv movie well they they changed the melody too they they, they tried do. to like quote unquote jazz it up you know and so instead of a well I, i'm not a singer but you know do 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 you know on the gloria that it's like do 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 it just it doesn't yeah it's strange i don't know why they did it i think they just wanted to be different i think at the time maybe it made sense but listening to it almost what 30 something years removed it just doesn't it doesn't work to me like at all not even a little bit not even a little bit i i completely agree i do not like this one i did love the next one though i was gonna say this one was great 
Yeah. It it captured the essence of the original mm-hmm. poem. So it's a stiller Nacht uh, or Silent Night. And I loved it because part of it is sentimental reason. So I never liked Silent Night as a, a hymn, really. And we would sing it at every house. We'd go Christmas caroling to. And I was like, uh, again. And then I sang it as a lullaby to my son. And it is like my all-time favorite carol now it's uh it's just so i mean i just i think of me just holding him rocking him you know trying to get him to go to sleep singing silent night and it's like i'm never going to be able to divorce the two and so it's one of my favorites and i love this version it was just simple straightforward choral singing and of course they 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 knock it out of the park on this one So if you don't hear any others, I do recommend listening to this one. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I, I love the, in this, in this song, not just in this version, I love the messaging, the things we're hearing, like tender, mild, everything is about peace mm-hmm. because this was written shortly after the Napoleonic Wars. Right. The, uh, the, the priest. Gruber, I believe. Uh, Franz, Franz Gruber. Hans Gruber. Uh, you don't remember them singing it in nakatomi plaza shoot the glass (laughs) franz uh, Franz gruber yeah franz gruber um there was another priest wrote the lyrics and uh or was it joseph moore joseph moore was the priest who wrote the okay and so so then franz gruber was the uh the composer the composer yeah it's just amazing it's just you can tell they're I, I could, I'm sorry. I couldn't pass it up. No, really, no, that's great. Hans and Franz. Hans, Hans and Franz Gruber. <laughs> one of them writes a, one of them composes a beautiful Christmas song and the other one tries to kill Bruce John McClane. Yeah. Oh, I love like it. The classic, classic brother story. story <laughs> no, but this is, it just captures that. What every, what every choir wants this to sound like when they sing it. And they do it with with just six voices, which is fantastic. But it's so deep, like the two baritones plus the bass. It's like it adds this level, this foundation that is just so firm. It kind of reminded me of, um, have you heard of the composer Howard Hansen? No. His second symphony is probably his most famous thing. Uh, They use it at the end of Aliens for, uh, excuse me, Alien for a bit. But anyway, he used to teach at the Eastman School of Music. And what he would do is he would double all the bass lines from whatever piece he was playing. He would double it like an octave lower with the tubas. And then instead of like just the standard one or two bass clarinets, he would have four. And so he had this nice low basic foundation, like this bass that he could just add layer upon layer to on top. And so uh, it really reminded me of that style. And I, I just I found it fascinating and yes it's straightforward but it works best i think when when it's straightforward there's a lot of stuff within christmas music that should just be done straightforward i agree we don't need a lot of innovation on the classics and uh ding dong merrily on high is probably one of them (laughs) just do it straightforward (laughs) 
Agreed. <laughs> they did a the next one they did pretty straightforward too, right? They did. So it's Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. And so there's actually a, a melody, and I think it's it might be called Cradle Song. I don't recall the exact name of the hymn, but it's uh let's see. The version that's usually sung over, you know, across the pond is Oh little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the light. But they did the the one that we hear over here more often than not, you know, oh, little town of Bethlehem. I thought it was fascinating that this British group didn't do the version particularly uh, found over there. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't realize that was the difference in, in those two. I keep wanting to say tones, but in those two arrangements. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's not one I'd ever heard of until a few years ago. And again, it's because of the King's College of Cambridge. <laughs> or the choir of that's King's how they College. sing it exactly and so yeah they the king singers they just they do the the standard one that, that you and i know but again it was pretty just you know pretty much as as is like another day another yeah. dollar type <laughs> type arrangement and they again i think they're strongest at least on this album when they're doing that then we get a f- no <laughs> i don't know how we bring in <laughs> Mozart and random Christmas songs spliced together. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this uh, this arrangement here. Uh, so it was done by Daryl Runswick, and they even had like a special guest singer. I think it's a, a, a an opera singer. Anyway, I don't know. I I I seem to have lost her name. But anyway, so they even bring like an opera singer to do this part. And what I found interesting was that it was kind of a play on an arrangement they had done two years earlier in the Julie Andrews Christmas special, Sound of Christmas. And that's and what you sent me. That's what I sent you. Yeah. And I had no idea what in the world that was when I watched. I was <laughs> so, so confused. incredibly confused. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an hour long special. It stars Julie Andrews, John Denver and Placido Domingo. Of all people, that's like the strangest combination ever. But there's this one bit or, or like a bit or two where the King Singers come out and they cover this arrangement here. And so it's a take on Eine Kleine Nacht music. You know, Mozart's a, a yep. little night, a little night music. Yep. It's called a little Christmas music. Christmas music. Yep. <laughs> ah, see, see what they did there. And... It is funny. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the word I'd use for it, but yeah, well, the, the the pun, the pun is funny to me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the song makes me so uncomfortable. It is odd because it doesn't flow like at all. It's so choppy. They they you know bum 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 bum. But then they like merge deck the halls and jingle bells. Jingle with bells. It. But they have somebody singing something else underneath of underneath bells. it. Yep. Yep. It just, it's weird. And so I really, I, this is one where I was super tempted to actually like get the octavo and try to figure this out. And I might do that just to, as a separate episode, just to break it down because it is so strange. With boughs of holly. Tis 
the season to be jolly. Don't we And hearing this operatic singer, I think was a little bit no. I think I actually prefer Julie Andrews version, just because it's Julie Andrews and uh huh. <laughs> but in that in that special, like her special, they're all dressed, you know, as a in that the very courtly, like I don't know, eighteenth, seventeenth century or eighteenth century maybe regalia it was or i don't know it was odd but it was very odd yeah they have like the powdered wigs and and all that and she just comes in and you know supposedly sight reads the music with them and it's hard not to like something that puts julie andrews front and center yeah yeah exactly i i completely agree but it's like the melody they change the melody too so they try to make it a little more mozart mozartian mozart I'm just creating words all over here. Yeah. If you you verb it, it's a word. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) But it's like, and I am no bel canto, so I'm not even going to attempt to sing it, but it's like, do, 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 do. But she's singing like, deck the halls, deck the halls with, I mean, it's the strangest thing. It just, it doesn't work for that song. The version of Deck the Halls they do later, which is also very strange, I think is better than this version, which isn't saying much, but it's at least better than this version. No offense to uh, to Daryl Runswick. Sorry. Sorry, chap. The next song we go to is their least listened to song on the album. <laughs> the Coventry Carol. It is. This is the one we were talking about. Yes, it is so discordant. I like when they I like when they're singing without the mute without the accompaniment mm-hmm. though. It's the the City of London Sinfana, Sinfonia behind them that makes that I don't like. Mm-hmm. When they're singing, they're capturing this very somber, mm-hmm. melancholy tone that is appropriate to the biblical narrative. Right. The other stuff is just trying to bring in too much drama. It's like the passion of the Christ, you know, yeah. like we can remember we can remember the crucifixion we can we can relive that we can we can ponder on it but watching the bloody gory details does not move me spiritually the same thing with the music they add here right it's like they're they're going for the emotional feel rather than like the deeper uh like the deeper connection to it you know and it's mostly surface level and it's it's like they come in with this chord and um it almost sounds like it's a minor chord with a, a major in there as well. And uh, I'd have to analyze it. Like I'd need to sit down and really just listen to it instead of just as I'm driving. But they come in with this chord and then above them, they have the bum, bum, that minor third. And it just, you know, that's supposed to be, I think, like the ladies weeping, the mothers weeping over their children. But at the same time, it just it distracts you from the actual song, I think. I think that's the best way I can say it. 
But no, I, and I totally get why that's the least listened to because it is hard to listen to. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, so you're saying that music is like, that's, that's the musical interpretation of Rachel's lament. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, at least that's, that's what I took out of it. For context, for people who don't know, this is the story um, that is told in Matthew 2. Uh, where King Herod, after learning of the birth of Christ, has all the firstborns, uh, firstborn males in, um, in his province murdered, mm-hmm. so that they ca- so that he can't be usurped. Joseph and Mary made a plight to Egypt mm-hmm. to save Christ. Um, all these other children died, and it harkens back to um, Old Testament biblical prophecies about Rachel weeping over the death of her children. Um, so it is a sad song, and it really doesn't fit with Christmas, except for the fact that the remembrance of the Holy Innocence is on December twenty sixth. Uh, is that is that when it is for y'all? It's the twenty eighth. Twenty eighth for us. Let me double check. Yeah. So in our tradition, uh, the twenty sixth is Saint Stephen's Day. Then Saint John is nope, the twenty seventh, right. and yeah. then the twenty eighth was the um, is the the Holy Innocence. And there's kind of an order. So it's like uh, Saint Stephen was both a a martyr in act and in will St. John was a martyr in will only because, you know, he wasn't actually martyred, but he would have been. And then the Holy innocents were martyred in act only because they couldn't actually die for Christ. So that's kind of like a progression there. At least that's what the church uh, tells us. And uh, it's really interesting because they called us the comites, uh, which basically means the companions because they were like the companions of Christ essentially in their martyrdom. And uh, so they were actually celebrated for centuries with octaves as well. So Christmas Day had an octave, and then each one of those days had an octave. So it it was like uh, that's how important they they were to the the Christmas tide. Uh, I don't know it, it, Christmas cycle, but yeah. I don't know what the Anglican calendar is, but the twenty sixth of December in the Orthodox Church is the in the Christian East is the synaxis of the Holy Theotokos, mm, so mm-hmm. celebration of Mary. The twenty seventh is the uh, first martyr Saint Saint, Saint Archdeacon Stephen. Stephen. Mm-hmm. Then the twenty eighth is the twenty thousand martyrs burned in Nicodema, and then the twenty ninth is the the day of the Holy Innocence. Oh, I gotcha. That's do y'all attribute do y'all attribute a number to that? No, no, we just say the Holy Innocence. Yeah. We're, they're called the uh, the fourteen thousand infants. In, oh wow, that's interesting. East. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Uh, no, yeah, no, and I think maybe because the reason for the and I don't know, this is all conje- purely conjecture on my part, and you can probably educate me more. But uh, so I think for all your major feasts in the Orthodox Church, there are the synaxis is kind of like a celebration of like a very important figure in that commemoration that just gets. I don't want to say overshadowed, but just isn't quite as important as the prominent, most prominent theme or or figure on the main feast. Is that correct? Uh, it's actually tech. Yes, sort of. The uh, synaxis is just considered the the. There are two terms for synaxis. Um, the synaxis is like the it's the early part of the divine liturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an early part of the liturgy. It's also the the people brought together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, then we look at like great figures um, of the church who um, like, well, the synaxis of the Holy Archangels, where we remember all of the archangels. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to. 
Yeah. I got to. Yeah. But it can technically be the uh, any gathering of of clergy at the Orthodox Church for their like a synod is considered a synaxis as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also the gathering to celebrate the liturgy, right, on a major feast or to honor saints involved in a primary celebration. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so Mary's really big and. She's got a big part in nativity, but we don't right. ever trump Christ. So exactly. She, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's super cool. But but maybe that's why maybe that's why Stephen's on the twenty seventh instead of like the twenty sixth for us. I don't know. I'm just yeah. So some that, other ones that are interesting for you. Uh-huh. Um, John the Baptist synaxis is on January seventh, the day after Epiphany. Uh, in the yeah. Yeah. So. Definitely makes sense. So. Then we move to the Boar's Head Carol, which again is not one of my favorites. It's just a okay, <laughs> but unless you have something to add on that one, I, I'm really I want to get to the next one. So I don't really know this one, so no. Yeah, I've heard it a couple of times. It's just nothing really that's that's uh, stood out to me. But the next song was popularized in the '70s by a group called Steel Eye Span. And uh, they did they did a version and kind of brought the song back from like obscurity. Ever since then, then Eraser did a version later on, and uh, yeah, they did uh, on their album. But it's called Gaudete, and <laughs> so the I, I kind of want to talk about the song. So it was uh, part of the uh, Pie Canciones, which was just like a, a, a old hymn book. Essentially, it's like a, a big collection of songs in the 1500s. Uh, you know, the 16th century it was kind of uh, probably from Finnish or Swedish provenance, although no one knows for certain. A lot of them are popular hymns. There's some motets. But this particular song had all four of the parts written out. And so I, I kind of want to talk about the word. So it's um, Gaudete, Gaudete, Christus est natus, ex Maria Virgine Gaudete, which is rejoice, rejoice. Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice. And so it's just, it's a really catchy song. And every time I hear it, I get so happy. Now, this particular version is interesting because there's more, you know, of course, they added instruments to it with the London Symphonia. But I think it almost works better without it. Like, I I prefer the Steel Eye Span version because it's literally just the version from the manuscripts. But they still do a fantastic job. They add dynamics, you know, where they, they get louder and softer in certain parts. They try to kind of... I don't know, maybe overdo it a little bit with the arrangement of the instruments. But to me, it's just such a fun song that I still dig it anyway. <laughs> There's so much exuberance in what we're saying. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm going, to, yeah. I'm going to butcher Latin. Well, Latin is hard to butcher because you just read the words as they're written. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Deus homo factus es natura mirante. Mm-hmm. God yep. has become man with nature marveling. Like... <laughs> And then we go to one of the one of the great interpretations of um, Ezekiel's gate from Ezekiel ten, 
Oh, the idea uh-huh. they talk about the gate which the Lord shall enter and then right. no, it shall be closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they even reference that. I love this song, okay, and I I really do. Yeah, this um, this this is one of my favorite songs. I was ashamed that I hadn't heard it earlier. You know, this is one that I wish I had heard like growing up because that's how much I love this song now. It's like it's just one of my favorites, and you're right, like this version. They while they they still there's a lot of instrumentation going on you know uh, you know ba 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 bum bum but it lilts Gaudi di Gaudi di Christus es natus ex Maria virgine Gaudi di Gaudi di Gaudi di Christus it has like a spirit that uh, some versions don't have. So I, you're right. There is an exuberance and a joy about it that is, which makes sense. It's called Gaudete, you know, like yeah. rejoice. <laughs> so. Unde lux extra orta. Ah, once the light Salus <laughs> Invenitor. Salvation has been found. Yep. This oh, is like. Yeah. So good. I, <laughs> So now there was something I didn't understand about the song when I was looking into it. We had the words, but not the tune, right? The tune was not accompanied with the words for the verses. Is that right? I, at least from what I found in the manuscripts, it actually is there. Like, okay. Like you can see it from the, uh, the original version here. Now it is possible that the actual Latin text the original Latin is from much earlier, like a, a couple of centuries earlier. But as far as like the first, this particular version, we do have the music and words together in the Pie Canciones. Oh, it's there's no music given for the verses themselves. I that, guess. yeah, that we don't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just use a standard tune from an, from older liturgical books. Which is a very typical... <laughs> you know, just borrow, rip off a melody from some sort of sequence or or other hymn. Just go ahead and take it. That's that's it, very very Latin. <laughs> and, and this is is this is this song sung at Gaudete Sunday? No, no, that's actually the the intro. It is is uh it it's a through composed intro. It it's it's not okay. this song at all, and that's why it's in this this little collection of like extra liturgical hymns okay so this is something that probably would have been sung like on a procession towards the church or or in um also like in a a, what's it what do they call like a not a passion play but in in one of the those those kind of plays that you would see um based on the life of christ you know i think passion play is just a generic term for it but you know not actually focusing on the passion of course right Mm mm-hmm so yeah, it was more like a liturgical drama, but we get uh, "Joy to the World," which is just again just another kind of standard version of "Joy to the World." You know, I, I enjoyed this version. I I thought it was probably one of the better songs of the album, but again, it's pretty pretty standard fare. Like it, it's impressive when they go into the two parts on this one. Yeah, it sounds to me like a lot more than six singers. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> I totally get that. Uh, I, yeah, I completely get that. But they they still do the call and response, you know, and heaven and nature and heaven and nature. And so I that's like one of my favorite parts of that song. And so I, I'm glad that they kept it at least uh, towards the towards the end. 
But I want to talk about this next song because this is a song that my brothers sang while they were in choir. And I had never really paid any attention to this song until I heard the monkeys do their version of it. I don't know this song at all. This is... Ryu Ryu Chiu? Okay. So this is actually kind of like a, a Viancico, which is... Okay, it has like a standard form of like chorus, verse, chorus, verse, and they could kind of go on for a while. But it later on became associated pretty strictly with Christmas carols. This is from like my home, you know, ancestral place in Spain. And so I, it's kind of cool. Basically, the, the words is the sound that a, a kingfisher, like the bird, would make. Okay. Yeah. And so, so they're kind of going there. But uh, I want to read these lyrics here. So it's about the Immaculate Conception a little bit more than it is the actual nativity. But in a, it also references the nativity. And so there's a third verse that for some reason usually is dropped. I don't know why. But it says, Riu, Riu, Chiu, la guarda Rivera, Dios guardó el lobo de nuestra cordera, which means Riu, Riu, Chiu, the kingfisher cries, God kept the wolf from our lamb, which is a poetic way of essentially of saying that Mary was spared from uh, original sin at her birth. And then, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm not going to read the Spanish. I'll just go ahead and talk about the uh, the English here. But in the verse, it says, the raging wolf sought to bite her, but God Almighty knew to defend her. He chose to make her so that she could not sin. No original sin was found in that virgin. This one that is born is the great King, Christ the patriarch clothed in flesh. He redeemed us, which, you know, could be taken a little heretical if you think about it, but I don't think they mean it that way. He redeemed us when he made himself small, though he was infinite, he would make himself finite. I saw a thousand uh, angels singing here, making a thousand voices while flying, telling the shepherds of glory in the heavens and peace to the world since Jesus has been born. Dios guarde el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios guarde el lobo de nuestra cordera. Riu, riu, chiu, la guarda ribera. Dios guarde el lobo, el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios guarde el lobo, el lobo de nuestra cordera. So it's almost like it alludes to the Immaculate Conception as a way of protecting the divinity of Christ. Explains why I don't know this song. Right, since the Immaculate Conception is not something uh, normally talked about in Orthodox churches ever. Um, <laughs> well, never, not ever. <laughs> never in positive light. Right, right. Uh, it, so this comes from... I don't. I know. I'm judging by the yeah. Spain. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's the Iberian Peninsula. I think it's actually. Uh, so it's attributed to Mateo Flecha, the elder who died in 1553. He was famous for writing uh, these this type of viancico uh, songs. But yes, it's uh it's from Spain. So okay. From Aragon, essentially. So, yeah, kind of cool. I don't know. Just something again. I'd never really paid attention to my brothers sang it in choir but i kind of zoned out whenever i'd go see them in concert i hate to say it sorry david sorry danny but uh you know i was a band guy i wasn't the choir guy um but then i heard the monkeys version and so i went back and then listened to like real choral performances and like oh this is really good <laughs> so what i'm hearing davila boys is you were not good enough to impress very nearly <laughs> as much as the monkeys were you know what that davy jones <laughs> <laughs> He gets me every time.
Okay, so then there's another song, El Niño Querido, which is another Spanish song. And that one is uh, about just, you know, the little, it's about the Christ child again. It's another one that the King Singers do often. It's like kind of one of their, that one, Ryu Ryu Chiu, are kind of like their signature songs that they do uh, on most of their Christmas performances. Uh, but this one, I didn't, I don't really know. I don't really know much about this song. I've heard it a few times, but again, it's not like anything that stands out to me. El Nino Cuerto. Is that the, the, the beautiful baby, the beautiful child? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know this song from, I think it's the Mormon Tabernacle singers do this song. They have done a version of it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Theirs is better. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> although this one is, a, this one is nice. It's, it's been, it's, a lot more it's been 60 years. They're not all going to be winners. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, then there was another song I didn't know. Neat de Vetla. I I don't know it. Uh, okay, I got to talk about this deck the hall because this was like next level here. This is just crazy. So it's supposed to be like a nice rousing deck the hall, you know, song. But I think what they're trying to go for is like people are drinking and being merry, and so they kind of go for like it gets rowdier and weirder because like there's a section where there's they sing you know sing we gaily all together and then they all just sing it awful merry merry christmas yeah <laughs> it was odd um, it was an odd I'm, I'm, odd version i'm glad to hear that you didn't love it either because this is their second most popular song on this album was it really and i, and I wasn't i wasn't impressed no no felt- I think you're right. It just sounds like they they were decking the halls with uh, decking the halls in each other with a little alcohol. Uh, yeah, or a lot of alcohol. But a lot yeah. of alcohol. <laughs> Falls the festive season, passes. Join the fun, ye lads and lasses, singing gaily all together. Fa la 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 la. Mindless of the wind and weather. But yeah, I I may or may not be singing a piece from this later on. (laughs) 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 But, uh, and then the Wexford Carol, that one I'm familiar with. So I kind of skipped over that. Then they do a version of Simple Gifts, which I thought was interesting also. So you're not a big Wexford Carol fan? I don't really... (laughs) Is that a uh, good old Wexford Carol over on uh, 32nd Street? No, I don't. I don't I, no, I don't. I don't know Wexford Carol. Do, do you? Is this one you're familiar with? It is. It is. Oh, it's, okay. Uh, when I started, I learned through a DNA test years ago, something that I, well, okay. I did my genealogical research and I found that my grandfather's family immigrated from Ireland. And found, okay. Like, the, the the original like McEnroe, which is what our name derivated from in the states. Nobody in my family thought I was. They thought I was hokey because nobody had ever heard anything from Irish from my family. Um, and so since I had found this, and I felt very, very, I felt very confident in my research. I started studying a lot about Irish history. Mm-hmm. Later, we got to confirm through DNA tests that yes, I am very Irish. My grandmother got one. She is not. So it did definitely come from my grandfather's side. Mm. But uh. It's it's nice. It's a nice little Irish Irish hymn. Oh, I'm I'm part Irish. I've never heard this song. 
So I'm now I'm going to have to look into it. But to be to be fair, I'm only one sixteenth Irish. So <laughs> excuse me, it's an interesting song, and it's a song that you can find you can find and listen to in Irish. Ooh, that's Gaelic, cool. Gaelic, Gaelic, which is nice. Yeah, I'm going to go check that out. The, yeah, then simple gifts, which uh, it's pretty standard. I think Quaker tune. It is. It it is in fact very boring. Yeah. Yeah, I Aaron Copeland kind of popularized it in. Uh, I don't even remember. Gosh, my my band trivia knowledge is 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 failing me now because I can't remember anything that I'm talking about here. But uh, you know that famous Aaron Copeland thing. He did it. It's good. No big deal. But then we end it with Patapan and Ferrandol, which is a, a combination of the the Catalan song Patapan and. Uh, oh, I've got a correction. Oh, correct me, please. I, I had to double check. The Simple Gifts yes. was written by Elder Joseph Brackett, who was a shaker. Oh, not Quaker. Sorry. Not a Quaker and not a candlestick maker. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel like a faker. <laughs> oh, well played. Um, I do have to point I do have to point out the inherent problem with the shakers. As we can see today, it's a very bad practice to start a religion based on not having children or with mm. a major component of not having children. Because I think there's maybe only one or two Quakers left alive or Shakers. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is sad for which is sad for furniture lovers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I loved how Shaker chairs would they would make their chairs and they were so minimalist. They would be made so that when you're not using them, you hang them on the wall so you have the additional floor space in your home. Really? That's cool. Yeah. I feel like I needed that when I was living in college. In, in my college? Time. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been perfect. So, uh, yeah. And then we get Patapan, which is a, a French uh, yep. French song in, uh, in the Burgundian dialect. And it's supposed to kind of represent the the drum. Patapan, patapan, pat. And so we do kind of get that underneath, but they combine this again with the combining of songs with the Bizet number is Ferrandol. Yeah, it's strange, but I actually kind of like this one. I think this one works a lot better than the Mozart one. So I can't, I can't really say much here, but I do like, I do like Patapan in general. It's got a fun and I like it in French. I do like Pat. Yeah. Patapan is one of my favorites. Some of them, the translation just doesn't work. So here's a little, a little tidbit here. A ferrandole is a, a dance from uh, Provence, an area in southern France. Bizet used two traditional French tunes in his ferrandole. One is a dance, the other is March of the Kings, a traditional French Christmas carol. Really? Yeah. So, huh. there, there so we maybe go. they did know what they were doing. <laughs> Good job, Bizet. Good job, King Singers. <laughs> All right, so there you go. I know some of these were arranged by John Rutter, who's like awesome. Who's unbelievably well known for what he does. Right. In fact, uh, The Silent Night was, uh, was his arrangement. So that makes sense why we really liked it. That does. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, a lot of it was um, 
standard stuff. The Bizet is, I don't know. I liked it. I think overall the album is, is okay to me. It's not something I'll put on all the time and I really have to kind of be in the mood and I'll definitely skip over some of these tunes. How do we do gag me with a spoon on this one? We're, well, we'll we'll uh, do our best of uh, our favorite terrible moment. <laughs> but before we do that, what would you say would be your hap hap happiest moment of this album? Let me look back. Godette. Godette. Yeah, I agree. I really like Godette and Silent Night. Oh yeah, you're right. That's a that's another one that's really good. No, I was just gonna say I think I would have to go with Gaudete personally. Gaudete, it's really good. Mm-hmm. This album does have a few super highs, but for me, it had a lot more lows. Yeah, yeah there was a lot of low lows on this one. Yeah, not their best. I really like their uh, collaboration with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I think that one was just done better. Um, but again, this was uh, the '80s, so you know, there. This might have been like a hot choral album back then. I don't know. There's like not a whole lot of info on the actual album itself, so I couldn't tell you. Although maybe that maybe that tells you right there, <laughs> since there wasn't a lot of info on it. <laughs> well, I did see when I was researching them that their their peak was like the the seventies to mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, the early eighties. They appeared on the Tonight Show, and uh, then they appeared in an eighty seven in that Julie Andrews special, and then it just kind of really started to slump. But I have, with the exception of like Glee. You know, and like that more poppy kind of choral sound. Choral music just really wasn't popular. I mean, you had like Starlight Vocal Band, which kind of did a little bit of choral-esque things. But I think really once uh, rock and roll came out, choral music in general just didn't really have a a whole lot of prayer. (laughs) 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 <laughs> we're gonna leave that we're gonna leave that in <laughs> i think you should i think you should yeah but uh it you know now we come to my favorite part of the show which is gonna be as good as we can do on uh, gag me with the spoon here so this is where we do our best impression of our least favorite part of this album i know what i'm gonna do because it was definitely my least favorite part but i'm very curious to hear yours so as a guest i'll let you go first just kind of pick <clears throat> <laughs> that was that, that was mine. Oh, was it really? That's totally mine. Yep. So instead, I'm gonna do um also from Deck the Hall. I'm gonna do a different part though. So they they play with kazoos, which is strange. Like they they it's so weird. They bust out kazoos, but there's a part where um. You know, they do deck the hall and the bass goes. Lo, 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 lo. I mean, just like a weird little kind of almost like he's trying to be an instrument that doesn't work. So anyway. Yes. Yes. That was it. I, I had to bring the, I had to bring the hiccup in the weird hiccup. <laughs> that's, what I'm think saying. that's what that was. I, I think you're right because they say sing we gaily all together. And it's just like this big cacophony of nonsense, you know, where they're I like, I think purposely... we should do a. I think we should do a joint gag me with this. <laughs> All right, I'm down with it. So uh, let's see. I'll count to three, and then we'll 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 come in. I guess. Yes. So, one, two, three. Whoa, 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 yes. <laughs> oh man, but it does make me wonder. You know, GI Joe taught us that uh, knowing is half the battle. 
What do you think the other half is? The alcohol consumed while decking the halls. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a good. That's way better than mine. Mine was just having a good arranger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Tom, it's it's been uh, it's been so much fun chatting with you here and and talking about choral music and religion and just I loved it. This stuff. was so much fun. Thanks it, for having me. Yeah, but you know, tell me about your show. I, I you know, one of my favorites, but I want to hear from you. Tell me tell me about it. Uh, you know, we put on a little show called Tis the Podcast where Anthony Caruso and uh Julia Colburn join me each week and we talk about a Christmas movie or TV special. Our tagline is we try to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. You can find us at linktree.com slash tis the podcast. Um, and there's a good there's a good chance if you randomly pick an episode that you'll find Jerry, which is why uh he now gets the uh the the Tis the Podcast elf gifts as our honorary fourth fourth elf. Oh sucks. <laughs> I and you know what? I owe you guys so much because I wouldn't have a show without you guys. Uh, just listening to you, I, I think I listened to you for about a year before I finally had the courage to say, "Hey, I have thoughts, and I need to, <laughs> I need to share these thoughts on Rudolph and Frosty." <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, thank you for everything. You've helped me out so much. I'm so much in your debt with uh, all just the random web stuff and everything. No, it's else. all so, it's all fun. And so, I really, really appreciate it. So, thank you. Absolutely. And on that note, I'm going to end it by saying, Este que es nacido es el gran monarca, Cristo patriarca de carne vestido. So check us out on our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram at Totally Rad Christmas, Twitter at Rad Christmas, or our Facebook group, Totally Rad Christmas Mall and Arcade, where you can make your voice known to us as well. We post anything and everything 80s or Christmas related. And if you're feeling like Daryl Runswick having his medley sung by the King Singers, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us reach more people and spread some rad holiday cheer. Now, don't forget to check out our merch shop on tpublic.com and our super dope website, totallyradchristmas.com, courtesy of Tis the Podcast Elf, Tom Crow. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Later, dudes. Tis the season to be jolly, fa la 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 Fill the glasses, raise the wassail, fa la 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 Sing the ancient Christmas carol, fa la 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 See the flowing ball before us, fa la 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 Start the band and join the chorus, fa la 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 Follow me in merry measure, fa la 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 la